Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Uh, there was a show, many of you may recall it, maybe some of you won't. It was a show that I absolutely adored. Uh, it was done by Ark Linkletter from 1945 into the 60s. It was also done by Bill Cosby with CBS from 1998 to 2000. It was a show that was beloved by many and entitled, Kids Say the Darndest Things. Oh, how many, anybody remember that show? Was that not hilarious? For those of you who don't know this show, let me tell you the premise very quickly, and that is, Bill Cosby and Arkling Letter would bring up kids who were, say, between the ages of three and eight. And he would bring up kids and ask them seemingly innocent questions, regular questions, and they would enter and they would answer in the most childlike, innocent, and funny ways. That show may be off the air, but we have that show every week here at St. Paul, and it's called The Children's Sermon. Okay? Now, I, the other day, I don't know, anybody get a lot of email forwards, you know, forwards, and they ask you to read it, this, that, and the other? I'll be honest, I really don't read a whole lot of those. But the other day, my wife, Marcy, she hit, was sitting on the couch, and she had the iPad, and she had opened up one of those emails, and she started laughing. And then she kept laughing to the point where I was like, okay, I need to get in on this. So I go over, and she starts to show me. These are genius answers given to just regular students, regular questions. And I have to tell you, they are fantastic. One of them was, uh, where was the Declaration of Independence signed? And the answer was, at the bottom. <laughs> but for a little bit more, I'm going to ask Hannah Shively to come on up. Hannah will quickly become Vanna. Give her a round of applause. All right. Hannah Vanna, come on up. And let's see here, which, I have to see what kind of crowd we got today. Oh, uh, let's see which one we do for, ah, let's do this one. Now, how many of you took geometry? Anybody say, all right, good, then you should be able to answer this rather easily. The question is to this uh, triangle, find X. And the student circled in and wrote, here it is. <laughs> all right, so we'll turn it around. This must be a history question, because the, the question is, what ended in 1896? The answer, 1895. All right. And then last but not least, we have to go back to uh, geometry because, well, geometry is a joke. And that is, uh, this is by Hope, and it is named the quadrilateral. Now, of course, this would be rhombuses and all those kind of things. Apparently, Hope, who, by the way, spelled her name with a lowercase h, wrote in Bob, Sam, Kate, Harry, and for some reason, this must be the formal name of Ted, wrote Tedison. <laughs> Never heard of that name before, but okay, we'll go with that, Hope. So there you go, some funny answers to easy questions. Hannah Shively, everybody. There you go. You know, what makes those questions and answers funny is the fact that they are actually right. And at the same time, they're actually wrong, aren't they? That leads us into what Palm Sunday is all about. Palm Sunday, people were asking the question, when is the Messiah going to be here? When will the, who will he be? Who's the Messiah going to be? God promises us to bring us a Messiah, and God never goes back on a promise. So when is it going to happen? Who is it going to be? And the answer 
As everyone said, as Jesus was coming with his disciples into Jerusalem for the celebration of the Passover, as Jesus was coming in, the answer was apparent. The answer is Jesus, and the time is now. The answer is Jesus, and the time is now. Everyone was so excited, and Jesus was coming in, and they were so excited that the Messiah was finally here, but you see, the people who were excited, just like the people who answered those questions, were both very right and also very wrong. They were right because Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is come, but at the same time, they were wrong in, his, in their expectations of what a Messiah was to be. You see, they were expecting a Messiah to be like King David, great king of Israel, great military leader, great politician. I mean, he was the king, and everyone epitomized what David did. He would, David would free just from everyone. He defeated Goliath. Nothing was impossible for him. So the Messiah had to be not only like King David, but even better. And remember, the Jews were under oppression, as they a lot of times are in the Bible. They're under Roman rule. They're under Roman rule, and they were feeling the pressure of that. In Jerusalem, the pinnacle city in Jerusalem, there was actually a peacekeeping troop, a fortress, if you will, inside the walls of Jerusalem, right by the temple, because the Romans knew that if a revolution was going to come, it was going to come in Jerusalem, the center of Jewish life. So, while they said Jesus is the Messiah, and they were right, their expectation of what the Messiah would be was very wrong because Jesus just didn't come to free them from Roman rule. Jesus came for something deeper than that. Jesus came to save our souls. Jesus came to save us from sin and death and to give us forgiveness and life. Anybody ever watch a uh, Western movie? Okay, I had a grandfather, and if I went down to South Point, Ohio for a week during the summertime, I had a week full of Western movies. I mean, me and John Wayne were like this, the Duke, okay? All right, so, and even if you're not a big Western movie fan, and, and the only Western you've seen is perhaps Blazing Saddles. Um, <laughs> apparently some of you have. Anyway, um, Everyone, all the Westerns are the same. A stranger comes riding into town, right? Right into the center of town. Stranger comes in, what do all the heads do? They pop out. They see who it is, right? They pop, their heads pop out of a saloon or out of, out of a school or out of a church. Everyone's heads pop out. Who's this stranger in town? Well, Hollywood and Westerns didn't come up with this concept. It's actually the scene right here in Palm Sunday, Jesus comes into Jerusalem, the center of life and society for any good Jewish person. And it was a celebration of Passover. So everyone from the diaspora, it's kind of like the suburbs, anyone from who's not in the main city, who's out, out in the outlying areas, made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, if it, at all possible. They came into Jerusalem to celebrate the high, highest feast of Passover. You remember Passover, right? Passover all the way back, we have to go all the way back to Exodus in your Bibles, where Jesus was, or Jesus, Moses was saying, let my people go. You've seen the movie, right? 
It's going to be on this week. It always is, right before Easter. So let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, right? And one of the plagues is that the angel of death would be sent to kill all the firstborn males. How many of you are the firstborn males in your family? Okay, you're dead, okay? So anyways, so the only way to not be dead is to sacrifice a perfect lamb prepare it in a certain way, eat it in a certain way, and to use the blood and smear it on the wood of the door frame in your house. And then if the angel of death came and saw that there was blood on the doorpost, he would pass over that household and you would live. Congratulations. So they were there to celebrate the Passover and everyone was coming in. Jerusalem is the center again of life. And Jesus comes riding in, not on a, a white horse with you know, general's clothing. He comes in humble, riding on a donkey. And people were so excited. They were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lord. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were putting out, they were taking off their cloaks and putting it on before him, creating what we would call maybe a modern day red carpet. They were putting, putting their coats out in front of them. They were taking palm branches like the ones you have, the palm branches and taking them down. Interesting thing about the palm branches is the fact that Remember, these are desert people. And palm trees, the reason why you see them in, in arid places is because they have very, very, very deep roots. So if there's palm trees there, those deep roots go all the way down into the water table so that they can have a drink and live. So if you're in the desert and if you see palm trees, if you see palm trees, there must be water. And if you see water, that must mean there's life. And if there's life, that must mean hope. Jesus was taking the, or the crowd was taking these palm branches, these symbols of life and hope, and laying them at Jesus' feet. So Jesus comes in to the epicenter of life. And there is a question that comes to us. A question, who are we going to be like? Are we going to be like the common people who meet Jesus as he comes in, down the center of our lives, and say, Hosanna to the king and welcome him? Or are we going to be like the other people in Jerusalem, the powerful, the Romans, the powerful people of the Jewish Sanhedrin, who are very scary and skeptical of this Jesus guy? You know why? Because he challenges the status quo. Because if Jesus comes in, he's going to change things around. He's going to change life. And do you really want that? So the question for them is the same as it is for us. Are we going to welcome the Messiah in? Or are we going to look at him with the slanted eye and keep an eye on him? Now, as Lutherans, of course, we will do both, right? Because we are both and kind of people. That's kind of the way we are. We celebrate Jesus' arrival, but at the same time, we're going to keep an eye on him. Jesus rode into the center of town, into Jerusalem for a reason. Because Jerusalem is the pivotal point. Jerusalem is the center of life. And I beg to say on this Palm Sunday that this is what Palm Sunday is all about. Jesus is going to ride into the center of not only Jerusalem, but into the Jerusalems of our lives. The pivotal point, what we center our life around. And Jesus wants to be in the center of that. Those pivotal points, those Jerusalems in our life, what we shape our life around, those sacred points in our life, what are they? What are they? Is it, is, do you shape your whole life around family? Do you shape your whole life around work? 
What is the pivotal point that you will change your entire schedule for and center it around? Bless you. If it's family, well, let's ask, of course, family's a great thing, right, Pastor Aaron? Family's a great thing to center your life around. Absolutely. Warm, nurturing place, people you love and care about. Family's a great thing. What if Jesus came and was in the center of your life as a family? What would that look like? I don't know about you, but how many in your family treat strangers better than other family members? Am I right? How many times are we nicer to the person, you know, we, we open the door for them at Kroger, but we won't open the door for our little brother? How many of us are nicer to strangers than we are our own family members? Come on. I know it's 11 o'clock, okay, and you're hungry. But anyway, sometimes we do. Sometimes we are better to the stranger than we are our own family. So what if Jesus were to ride into the center of your family today? What would that look like? What would that change? Would it change the way husbands and wives interact with each other and think about each other? Would it change the way brothers and sisters perhaps interact with each other? Would it change the way that parents discipline their children and change the way children think about their parents' discipline? What would it look like if Jesus rode into the center of your family's life? Well, what about work? What if many of us, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but for many of us, work is the center of our lives. Work is the very center of our lives. So what, is, what would it look like if Jesus rode into the center of your life at work? What would that look like if Jesus rode into the middle of our classrooms, our boardrooms, our courtrooms, our factories, our offices? What would that look like? Would we treat that person who's really annoying two doors down a little better? How many of us have ever in our life said no to someone simply because it wasn't a good idea? Not that it was a bad idea, it's just because it came from that person. What would it look like if Jesus came into the center of our lives at work? So my question is, do you want Jesus to ride into your life? Do you really want him there? Because Jesus isn't about the status quo. He's about changing things for the glory of God. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus wants to be the way of life for us. That we would look at everything and everyone through lenses of eyes of faith in him. Jesus isn't just worried about relationships either. He wants to be in the center of your life. That includes, yes, relationships, but also how do you spend your free time? Do you spend any of that free time in prayer or reading the Bible? Jesus wants to be there. Jesus wants to ride into our lives. He wants to be there in how we spend our free time, how we spend our money, what we watch on television, what we listen to the radio, and dare I say, even what we look at on the internet. Jesus wants to be there. So, here's the thing. When you let Jesus come into your life and walk down that center road of Jerusalem, whatever your Jerusalem is, Jesus comes, and Jesus brings life. Jesus brings hope. Jesus brings peace and understanding, mercy and compassion. 
Jesus helps us to live the life that we know we want to live, but really can't get that way on our own. I have a friend, a colleague, his name is Pastor Roger Quay down in Lancaster. And uh, you know your son or daughter or you are in trouble when you're called your middle name, right? You get that, right? Like my, name's, my middle name's Michael, so I knew when my parents said Aaron Michael Lane, I was in trouble, right? Am I, am I alone in this? Do all parents do this? Okay. Roger, he would say, and I don't know his son's middle name, so I'm making this up. He would always say, Seth Robert Quay, child of God. He'd have to remind himself that this is a child of God so that he did not send him to meet his maker. Okay? God makes a difference. God makes a difference in how we look at things. God makes a difference in how we treat people. That's why Jesus wants to ride into the center, pivotal, sacred places, your Jerusalems of your life. And he wants to be there with you so that we can make a difference in the name of God in the entire world and tell them the good news that Christ has come, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. So will you welcome Jesus the Messiah into your life today, into your Jerusalem, into your pivotal points and make him the center of your life? May we all say, Hosanna, Blessed is the name, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.